we rarely know what lies beneath the sexy filtered version of life that we see online. So we're lifting the lid and having the conversations about money that no one else is having. So settle in, grab yourself a coffee and come join the conversation. not heard of Neom Organics, you must have been living under a rock. Especially as very recently, they've been named by the Sunday Times as one of the 100 fastest growing companies in Britain. For anyone that doesn't know, Neom is a company helping us to live naturally healthier lives through 100% natural fragrances, skincare and home products to boost our well-being and help us live happier lives. This week, we spoke to Northern Powerhouse and founder of Neom Organics, Nicola Elliott, who started her own well-being journey after burning out from a hectic career as editor for Glamour magazine. Nicola gave us a rare and raw insight into what it's taken to get the company to where it is today, from the high highs to the very real lows. And we're sure you'll get as much from this conversation as we did. Thank you so much, Nicola, for coming on our podcast. We really hope you guys enjoy this one. I think your company, Neom Organics, is probably best known for its luxury candles. And I wanted to start by talking about candle businesses in general, because in this day and age, a candle business is something that's kind of one of those businesses that's known as something that anybody can start from a back bedroom. Um, But it's very, very, very rare to see one that has a success of Neom. And I'd love to know from you, like, what is it that sets Neom so far apart from from everyone else? Oh, that's a big question. Well, thank you for having me on. Oh, very flattered that you've asked me, especially given that we're both Leeds girls, Victoria. Um, And let me answer your big question. So, um, so I suppose, first of all, we, we did start with Candle, but we sell about, I should know this, 147 products at the moment, different SKU lines. Um, And actually only half our business now is made up of home fragrance in general. The rest of it is actually body care. So we've massively changed that. And that probably, that swung about 10 years ago for us. Um, So it it has changed a lot. And and I say about because we're constantly obviously renewing that. We're bringing out new products, chopping the old ones, et cetera, et cetera. However, you 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 know you're right, and I think we you know we did start as I said with five candles. It never it was never the dream. The dream was always to start the brand that we have now. But the reality is, starting a business is a really expensive thing, and especially if you starting a business where you have to invest capital in products. And so we were sort of forced into candles. We could have just as well done hand creams or shampoos or or whatever else. There wasn't a huge amount of thought behind that beyond the fact that at the time, and actually not an awful lot's changed, 97% of the candle market was made of paraffin wax candles and or synthetic with uh, fragrances. So there was a real, there seemed a real, real gap there. And so we, we, we sort of, put our finger on candles but as I say it could just have easy have been a hand cream or or a body wash or I think face cream would have been a hard one to do to start with because I think people are so kind of um wedded to their face care routines whereas I think you know using a product that people are more inclined to buy more than one of swap 
you buy as a gift, that was kind of an important part of choosing candles. But it didn't have to just be candles. I think now probably harder because, you know, the, the, the market is very saturated. But in answer to your question, how have we sort of penetrated that? I, I think we've always been really, really true to brand. And I actually remember somebody saying something to me the other day, and, and, and it took me a while actually for me to get this, but I'll explain it to you. When you're starting a brand, you've almost got to assume that everything you write and you think and you and you stand for, imagine if on your website there was like a big red button where people could tap and go, yes, subscribe me here to this belief, this club, this mindset. If you've explained something in such a rich 360 way that if such a thing were to exist, and I don't mean subscribe as in the sort of the way that we think as, you know, monthly subscription drops. I mean, I want to sign up and be part of this way of looking at the world. That's a brand. If you've, you know, if you've got, a, 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 am just looking around my room now. If you've got five nice pink cushions, there might be lovely cushions. That's not a brand. If those pink cushions are shot in a way that, you know, you want to think that your home life is expressed or your um, ethics of, of the kind of material that goes into them or the way that they're styled, when it becomes that, that tipping point is a brand. And so, you know, product is a part of Neon. It is not the brand. And I think that's what's really important. And very hard to do that because especially coming from kind of like a Noah, a very classic entrepreneurial northern town. I mean, my, I remember my dad was like, what, what are you doing all these things? For? Why are you saying no to business? Why are you saying no to, you know, millions of pounds of stockers you could go into? Why are you spending money on, on that? That stuff is the brand. That heart and soul is the brand. And so it's a mind shift. And, um, and that can be really hard to do at the beginning it can be hard to do when you've not got much money it can be hard to do in times of austerity because um because it's not overly logical it's the magic not the logic part of growing a business yeah absolutely it makes so much sense when you kind of separate out the brand and the product and I think so often we as consumers kind of blur the two together but you touched on it there and you know today well-being is such a huge market and I guess I imagine that when you started Neom, it wasn't actually anywhere as big as it is now. So oh, not at all. No. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I feel like we've really seen a boom in the last maybe like 10, 15 years or so. But what was it that actually led you to believe that there was a gap in the market for what you envisaged and what you wanted to build? Well, it made sense. And I think, you know, I've ne- I never believe in chasing trends. I believe in in investing time and effort and money in business and in work life in things that make sense. And I think too often, you know, I mean, it, it actually ironically becomes a bit easier, I think, when you become a bit older. But, you know, you look at trends, you think, well, that's ridiculous. It looks ugly. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Whereas, you know, where business is concerned, I I think, you you know, you might, we might bring out a Christmas candle in a, in a cool new colour but it wouldn't build a business or a brand around trend because I think you're only ever building it for the short term. And so it made sense to me. Um, 
And I think if you look around you, those things are always there. And it doesn't always mean reinventing the wheel. It sometimes means just doing things better. And, and, and quite often I'm always, I'm often asked or the main stumbling block that I find people come to me with is, I can't think of the idea. I find that fascinating that they think that, you know, the initial idea being something completely revolutionary is integral to the success because, because actually I would say quite the reverse. If, you know, if you've got to explain something new to someone, I've got enough in my life. I don't want a new thing. I really don't. And I think that might be something that younger people are a bit more interested in. But actually what I'm interested in is a better pan than I've ever had, a nicer cushion than I've ever had. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the dog, a better dog collar. I mean, do, do you know what I mean? Completely. Things that stand the test of time. Exactly. Because, you know, my dog needs a dog collar. I need a cushion. I, I need a pan. So you don't have to then explain to me, here's a concept. It goes around a dog's neck or here's a concept. You cook a thing on it. Mm. So you've already, that hard work's been done. And quite often I see people come with very complex ideas. And I think we've made just made life twice as hard for yourself because now you've got to explain the problem in someone's life, convince them of it, show them where the gap is, explain the new product, and then get to the point where, you know, the person with the cushion or the, or the, or the dog uh, uh, lead is. So I, I, I think well-being for me was sort of like that, if I'm honest with you. It seemed really obvious. And, but then having said that, it was definitely at the time, certainly where skincare was concerned, that was a real boom time for cosmeceuticals. And so I have friends who are journalists, that was my former life as a, as a journalist, who used to say to me, oh, natural products, you know, don't work as well as um, cosmeceuticals. And I thought, well, that's rubbish. And, um, and by the way, you're the best beauty editor in the world who's used all the fanciest cosmeceutical products in the world and your skin doesn't look great. So, you know, yeah. that's the reality. And, um, and so, and so, it was very ahead of its time in that way, but it made sense. And so I think you've mm. just got to have the sort of courage of your of your convictions. Um, and sometimes it's the obvious stuff, right? It's like anything in life. It's the really obvious stuff in front of you that is the stuff that really is the right answer. And yeah. so I see opportunities everywhere. You know, my greatest uh, – the thing I love more than anything is spending half an hour with someone over dinner and then you know I'm a bit sick of my job and I'm like well what's your skill and what do you like to do and I'm like well there's the opportunity they're everywhere you know just gotta you've just got to do it well it it, it is unfortunately that one percent inspiration 99 percent perspiration that yeah yeah sadly we're both we're both learning we're in the early stages of learning that the hard way for sure it's it's no fun but yeah we're we're on the path you just got to keep going yeah but I I really understand like I really understand what you're saying and actually I don't know if it's because it's coming from you somebody that I can relate to in a way but the way you articulate it is something we've heard time and time again Simon Sinek has a business book that's like really famous called start with why yes what you're saying is really reminding me of that because I I remember him talking a lot about Apple and all sorts of really successful businesses who essentially started with this very very clear mission in mind and it sounds like you've been a bit similar 
similar in that whatever circumstances would have prevailed, you would have adapted your product and offering. But the thing that would have stayed consistent was the mission. Completely. And look, we've had to do that many times, you know, and you, you go through you go through economic times where people have loads of money or the the trend is that they, you know, they want flashier things or huge candles in their homes. And then you go through times where everyone wants value, but they don't want cut price. And then they want pink and then they want red and, and then they want shower foam and then they want soap. And so that to me, you cannot start something with a product. You, you can, you can't start a long brand that's going to have chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters within it. I don't think. Um, you know, you can have those kind of quick flash in the pan things, which, by the way, is a very good business model in itself. It's a different, it's not the question that you're asking me, and it's not the question about building a brand. And also, you've got to realize, I think, what your own values are in life, because some people don't want to, quite understandably, work 20 years before they start making money. Some people want quick cash now. Some people get bored of what they're doing quickly. Some people love the chase of new business. So when you're starting something as well, my answer is the answer to my wants and my needs and my skills and the way I work. Whereas this, it's like when people ask for funding, you know, sell your business up front and make money, but you haven't got the control and you've got private equity sat on you or don't, but don't have the money early. It's, it's choices. It's like choosing a husband, right? For sure. House. Yeah, it's you can never have it all and you have to just choose what are your values and your priorities for sure. Exactly. Well, yeah. I actually love to know what were they for you? Like going into Neon, the dream of it being this, you know, big well-being mm-hmm. business. What what were the key things for you that you wanted to get out of it that for your life and your well-being? Well, uh, I think I didn't achieve any of those. I think I really messed it up actually. So I think I've got to be honest with you about that. You know, I I did think probably that I'd been a journalist for years. I'd loved that side of my um, um, of my career, um, and I it, it was fantastic. But it was it didn't pay particularly well. It was a time where women couldn't work part time. So there was no flexibility. I worked for Condé Nast. You had to work five days or nothing. Um, and actually it was before the print media side started to sort of going down the pan, but, but that also then happened. Right. So I wanted total autonomy from Neom. I wanted to work for myself. I'm a bit of a bossy kind of do it my way sort of a character so I knew that would suit me I wanted flexibility I knew I wanted kids I wanted to make some more money I think I thought we'd come up with this great idea it'd be brilliant and we'd sell for many millions of pounds to L'Oreal after three years and we so didn't (laughs) we were I think I was making less money in year eight than I was from my old career I mean Talk about a shit show. Talk about walking up Mount Everest in your flip-flops. I mean, it really didn't happen the way that I wanted. And by then I was too far in, right? By then I've got no money, two kids, can barely afford food. Um, my old career is like gone for the hills, you know? And I, by the way, I've moved from London up north. So all my contacts are, hi, who are you again? I mean, it was just a bad time. It really was hard, horrible. 
So, um, you know, and I think had I have had a, a hand out of it or a way out of it, I, I, I can't lie and say that I might not have took it. I mean, that's therein lies the, you know, fate of life. Yeah. So, so I'm afraid I can't be as bold as to say to you, these were the things that I went for and happened to me. But I think with all things in life, you know, you just keep going, don't you? And I had no choice. And I always knew that I'd get there in the end. I just didn't think the end would be that far away. Do you think then that when you actually went into it and when you decided to leave your old career, that maybe you just didn't actually have like a full picture of how hard it was going to be? Or were there things that, as well as that, also happened along the way over those first like years that you just hadn't been able to see or that no one could have warned you of? Yeah, I mean, I think all of the above. I think you're totally right. Um, but I'm trying to think for the benefit of the people listening, what I would have done differently or what advice I would give them. And I don't know if there is any because, you know, I'm trying to think, well, would I have had a better plan? Well, I had a pretty good plan. Would I have done it as a side hustle? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's mad when people say they're going to leave their jobs and then do something. I mean, at best, you work evenings and then go down to four days a week or something. But I did do that. Um, so I don't know if I did anything. I could have considered raising a bit more cash early on. That would have made things easier and made things go quicker. Um, I was really against taking money from my parents or friends. I just really didn't personally want the weight of that going wrong. But, I, you know, I, I don't know whether that's the right answer for everyone. I think had we've had a bit more money up front, we probably we probably would have, uh, yeah, moved a bit faster at least. Um and I don't know whether I think I think you have to be prepared that the journey is not smooth. And so I think whilst you could probably make some slightly different choices that I that I made, I think you realistically will be hard pushed to find somebody in my position that hasn't gone through those real setbacks and mm. um and so you have to be prepared that that's the that's part of the journey. Yeah. However well you plan it, you can't foresee everything that's going to come along and that's going to happen. No. And, you know, another thing that I, I told you, a lot of people get stuck on the idea. But another thing that I find people get really uh, come to me and say an awful lot is, oh, I had this business selling, I don't know, children's T-shirts or pencils or whatever. And then I gave it up because in the end X happened. And I'm like, the X happened thing that you just said is like literally a Tuesday morning problem for me. It's like not a, the end of the business at all. And so you've got to, I think, be realistic with yourself about your appetite for those challenges coming, uh, coming to you frequently and how big they are. Because the difference between that being a problem that shuts down a business and just a, oh, it's a bit of a tedious thing that's come in my inbox is absolutely your attitude and and again that's not right and wrong I just think be honest with yourself about what your what your desire is for that and how you can sort of manage that professionally personally mentally you know 
Yeah, completely. I mean, I agree with you. I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's been who's had a successful business. Who, I just don't believe it's out there that hasn't had major, major setbacks. And no. I do think you're totally right. I don't I think if you want to do that, you have to act like I am learning this the hard way. I think you have to accept there are constant challenges and they only get harder. And it's whether you want to get better at managing yeah. them or yeah. not. But I yeah. think one one thing that really strikes me about Neon is, and like what I imagine to be one of the biggest challenges, is this very obvious to anyone who is loyal to your brand. I think there's a really obvious commitment to quality. And you did mention, you know, there's been hard times and times of austerity. And I'd love to know how you've kind of m- managed and whether that's been a really difficult thing to, to, to stick to that value when, you know, and, and like you were saying with your dad saying, oh, why why aren't you just putting your... <laughs> why don't you cut a corner? Yeah, exactly. When, when it seems today that everything is all about cutting corners and of mm. course, like there's cheaper competitors everywhere. Well, because I think there's a few things. One, um, you know, we're selling candles at 50 pounds. I mean, if I cut that to 30 it's still an expensive candle by half the price. You know, I'm well aware that you can get something that smells very pleasant for a fiver from Ikea. So, you know, if you're putting your neck on the line to sell something of that value, then it has to be absolutely brilliant. I think as a northerner, have this really good inbuilt value. And value is not always to us. I'm sure you can concur, money off. Value comes in what you get for what, for you, what give. you pay. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, like I said, I bumped into your your mum and dad, didn't I, at, yeah. at dinner the other night, which is which is why you invited me on this. And uh and I always think that in in meals, you know, I don't mind going to out for dinner and paying, you know. 150 pounds. I've had a great bottle of wine, and the two of us have had really nice meal. And blah, blah, blah. we went out the other night for a friend's birthday, and we spent an absolute. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a big birthday, but we spent like a fortune. And lovely as that was, and nicer than that was, it. I didn't feel it was worth four times what I would pay on a weekend. So I think that's the modern way of looking at value. It's not necessarily going to five guys that's a different thing it's about you feeling like you bought that handbag and yes it was expensive or you've been for that meal or you've gone on that holiday and yes it was expensive but my god it was worth it yeah and so I think you're looking for this modern value which I think you know as a woman I'm really attuned to as a northerner I think I'm very attuned to um so so that's one thing and I think um secondly I am very you know this is my baby and I'm so paranoid about the for for, for getting a few extra pounds in on a deal with a with a stockist that you wouldn't want to see me I'm in or you you would think wasn't a, a lovely place to experience it it's not worth betting the farm on on me putting something somewhere or giving you something that's not as good because that 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 bets the farm so I think having your eye on the bigger prize is really really important and I think also um you 
we always have this thing in Neom internally, which I always think it's really important to get your sort of brand DNA uh, started early. And that's a kind of a framework and a and a group of ideas or rules that everyone who works for you can think by because you know it in, instinctively and the first five people that work for you will also because you're all in a tiny little room vibing off each other but when it becomes much bigger it's much harder and so we have many 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 of those across all different parts of the culture and the products and the way that we want to portray ourselves and the and the and the group that we want to be but one thing I always have with products concerned is a double tick one on um one on it being purposeful and one on it being gorgeous and so it has to, the purposeful thing is, is it actually delivering the well-being benefit? Is it seriously going to send you to sleep? Is it seriously going to help you relax? Is it seriously going to, you know, have enough magnesium in it? Whatever. Is that well-being benefit going to work? And then secondly, is it going to be gorgeous? Because most brands will fit into one category or the other. They won't fit in both. And I quite often will reject something on the fact that it's absolutely gorgeous, but pff, so I could get it from insert other luxury brand or I get something that's very purposeful. I think well, it's fantastic. But quite frankly, you know, it's something that I really would expect to pick up at the pharmacy. So that's a gauge that I work by. It wouldn't be the same gauge for every for every brand. But I think having a couple of internal guardrails is really, really important. And uh, they work for me. So just off the back of that, do you still go and check or does everything that is new come past you still at the stage of everything. the business that you're at? Really? Everything. everything. I'm going to, yeah, I, with the, this isn't video, otherwise I'd flip round. My friend came around the other night and she said, why have all the products in your houses, why are they all in funny containers? And they've all got like really horrible labels and loads of writing. And I was like, because I batch test you fool. I have to come back every night. I mean, last night we came back from, um, uh, I came up from picking my daughter up and I've got two Christmas candles burning in one in the kitchen and one in the living room. And actually it's the same fragrance. We're just using a slightly different um, strain of cinnamon. Yeah. And so I always have to pass them off because, you know, I'm so, 150 products is not that many that I can't be abreast of those at all times. But I'll batch test them if we change fragrance. We have to change fragrance all the time because obviously we're using naturals. That is some that one day I, I'm always jealous of people who work with synthetic fragrances in that you develop it one year and then you just press the button on it for the next hundred years and it always comes out the same. But for us, obviously, that's not the case. So we might have oranges that taste, smell one way at one time and then another harvest and they're different. So every time that gets changed, it might not be the actual fragrance that changes. We have to go through a test process again. So, yeah, I constantly, um, my hair looks terrible today because I had to batch test some shampoo and conditioner testing is the worst. Oh, we didn't launch shampoo for 10 years because I'm telling you, everyone was the most asked for product. We want shampoo and conditioner. We can't find a nice natural shampoo and conditioner. I was like... If you make me wash my hair, which is as thick and long as a Shetland pony, with another bloody batch of bad shampoo and conditioner, we'll, you know, we'll test hundreds of anything before it becomes passable. So you imagine like signing up 
to wash your hair with 100 bad shampoos and conditioners before you start getting good, before you get to the brilliant one. So batch testing can be tricky, definitely. Yeah, but actually now hearing you, it's so interesting because I don't know, I think as a as the consumer, you know, you, you don't, you would never think of the, you know, the owner of the company, but, you know, lighting Christmas candles in the height of summer. But now you're kind of saying it, it does make complete sense. And I actually, as a consumer, I think it really translates I do sort of do you I'm glad I'm glad Victoria that you actually the pain of me looking like a like a mountain and moorland pony is worth it in the end (laughs) I'm so sorry but you know when like you cook a meal and people say like if you felt good and you put love into it it tastes better I I feel that this is the same (laughs) with your candles like I think when I like my neon candle I can feel the pain that you've been through we have uh, external testing panels, of course, as well. But I start everything on my own family. So my poor daughter, she tries everything. My son is I a don't red have hair. much sympathy for her. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> well, she's only just started getting into Neom now. Well, she was at junior school. She used to say, every Christmas I'd go in with a bag of Neom. She'd oh, not Neom again. Can't we get them a mug? Everyone oh, else okay. brings in mugs and chocolates. I was like, no, we can't. But yeah, I mean, my son, you know, is a redhead. So that's, he's great testing fodder. Because I'm like, does this work on your skin? Yeah. <laughs> it's good for other people, you know? So yeah, always test it on the on the people you know. My mum's really harsh. I mean, really, really harsh. She'll quite often, I don't like that. I'm like, oh, thanks. Yes, that's what you like need. It. You need it. I think you need it because I think other people, you know, like anyone who's working for you would might be a bit scared. Exactly. Like that just doesn't smell good. Whereas your mum will just tell you how it is. Yeah, exactly. She certainly will. Yeah. Uh, so cool. I think a lot of people would be really surprised by that. Like I was surprised when you just were like, yeah, I'm testing all of these things out. Um, but again, like Victoria said, it makes it feel like so much more relatable as well as a brand that you can when you hear that someone really does care that much about every single thing, like it, it builds, I guess, that loyalty as well. Um, Yeah. And I think, um, I think also whilst you want to, you you know, everything I said at the beginning about the brand and and the club and the community and, and all of that stuff, what you also have to be very careful is, is that you don't drink any of your own Kool-Aid. You know, I also want to know, look, does this candle fill a room, a decent living room? I come back to this northern no sort of BS thing again. Does it fill a decent sized living room with enough fragrance? In 20 minutes, I walk in and go, wow, that smells amazing. That to me is a decent scent throw. So don't tell me there's this great ingredient. There's a little like, does it do the basics well? You know, and then actually after I use the, uh, the pod with the sleep oil in the bedroom, for example, do I get a better night's sleep? So, Quite often I'll be presented with something like a big deck of we've had this great idea and I'm just, just show me it. Just let me touch and feel the product as a consumer would. Don't give me the great strap line. Don't give me the lovely pictures. Don't give me the sell. Don't give me anything. Just let me say to you, and I am a really, really harsh critic in general, which is my good and bad, I think, in life. But let me use it for good in this instance and say, I'm sorry, it just doesn't smell good. Or I'm sorry, I came home and my partner said, well, I prefer your old perfume or your hair looks. It, let's just keep the ba- the basics get forgotten too often. 
Um, and it's like, you know, like you go for a meal, it's all right, the twiddly bit and the this and the sofa's nice and the decor's nice, but you order a, you know, a, a very basic carbonara and it's watery and it comes late. What's the point in everything else? Totally. And I actually think today, because everything's so kind of trendy and everyone wants to be on the latest trend, I think people do forget the basics more and more. And I actually think that that I see that now and I'm sure it'll be the same going forward. I think anything that really does do those basic fundamental things really, really, really well will only increase in value because it's becoming, you know, more and more difficult to find. Absolutely. Um, and we come yeah. we come back to the how we started. And there's there's inspiration everywhere. And I think you just got to look around your own, look around your own house and you'll see opportunities. If you and also don't let people say, um, oh, there's already somebody doing footstools really well, for example. Well, if you don't know them, they're not, are they? For sure. Yeah. You, you don't know them. Your best yeah. friend doesn't know them. Your mum doesn't know them. They're not doing a good job. So there's an opportunity for you. People go, oh, I did loads of research and I found out someone in, you know, Stoke Newington does that. Well, not well enough. So that's another thing, I think. Yeah, totally. And another thing I really wanted to ask you about, because I know you have your own podcast, the Neon No BS Guide to Wellbeing, which I have been thoroughly enjoying. And you are exploring with your guests kind of how we can all feel happier and improve our sense of well-being, which I think there's no argument that we all need it right now more than ever. And having kind of, you know, you obviously, I know that Neon does like a big stress order every year, and you're obviously speaking to different guests in the well-being space and there's no doubt whatsoever we're all told in the news all the time about the fact that we're all more stressed than we've ever been before mm-hmm. and given your kind of expertise and exposure to well-being I would love to know whether you think you know we are genuinely far more stressed because life today is just more stressful or whether you think um you know there's just a greater level of awareness about stress and we're just talking about it more I think it's both. And I think it's other things as well. I think, you know, we're, we're, there's a question around resilience there, but then on the other side, there's a question around, you know, this multitasking life. I think, you know, I started neon because of my own anxiety and actually there was no real bad thing that happened to me. I think I was just shoving too much in and I think our lives are set up, you know, you can't blame the phone, but you, you know, you set up to, I know I'll, wait for my daughter in the car and rather than sitting there and listening to the radio I'll have paid two bills organized a meal for four friends next week and you know written a to-do list for the weekend we 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 shove a lot in so um that's modern life that's being you know Instagram world or whatever it is and comparing and contrasting that's um then we've got this We've lost a lot of common sense in some ways. We, we're not. We've, we're way behind as Western society in terms of looking after our well-being with really basic stuff that we should have been picking up on many years ago. I mean, it's um, it's a cocktail, I think, of of elements that have got us to where we are right now. And then, yeah, on top of it, then we're probably more educated and we're globalised, so we talk about it and we share these experiences and as a good thing we don't sort of we don't not talk about them and women 
I think that's another whole world of stress, you know, trying to multitask, trying to do that juggling thing, still being, you know, we, 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 everyone always says, where's the neon men's range arriving? Well, it's not because 87% of household buying is still done through the women. That's a job in itself or a hundred. And you, you know, you get the picture. That's a whole podcast in itself, Victoria. But I think, um, my advice for that is, we are where we are. You have to find for yourself your own personal stress, life, well-being toolkit that works for you. You cannot read five top tips from a person that you think looks good in a magazine and say, well, they'll work for me as well. They won't. You're a different person. You built up of different genes. You're um appetite for stress is different to somebody else your lifestyle's different there's, there's everything's different so and you have to try you have to try things and see what works for you and there should be a joy in that by the way it should be something that's that, that you enjoy creating and i try and talk about that with my daughter so it doesn't become something that somebody smacks her on the face when she becomes 25 but it's something that you have to build into your life does meditation work for you in what capacity does it work? Do you need some supplementing? What kind of diet suits you best? How much can you drink? What kind of drinks can you drink? How are you fed? How is your soul fed? How ambitious are you? How much does pushing that make you uncomfortable or really make you fly? What friends are you feeding yourself with? Does living in a small town work for you? you know, just taking a Friday night and really spending those 50 minutes in the bath and creating that calm zone work for you. These are questions that are, that are the bedrock of us being the best versions of ourselves. And so I always try and make that without becoming too lofty at Neom. I, I do try and make sure that that conversation is really what we are about. And um, I suppose it's the slight bonus of me getting older and being able to throw a whole load more things in the pot but you know um such is life and I think when you get to the place I know what my toolkit is by the way it evolves constantly dependent on what's going on in my life and hormones and seasons and all that kind of stuff things I find um but I think just ignoring it and sort of keeping your fingers crossed that you feel all right is a nonsense yeah, I mean, that makes so much sense. And you said there, you know, you've found what works for you and that we all have to try and figure out our own toolkits. For anyone, though, that doesn't actually have a clue where to begin, yeah. have you got any advice, tips? Like, where where would you start if you started on day one? Like, you're feeling really stressed, really worn down. Where can people, what should people do to try? There's a great, you know what? There's a great um, friend of mine who's worked, I met through her work at Neom and she is a psychologist called Susie Redding and she has this thing called the vitality wheel, which if you really didn't know where to start, I always think, you know, rather than me distilling it in two minutes, there's a brick, she's got it on her Instagram, she's got a book, She's got five or six books now, but she always talks about her vitality will. And it's a great way of looking what the segments are and then being able to populate them for yourself. But sort of very loosely, you've got to look at movement. You've got to look at what goes into your body. You've got to look at ways in which you restore and recharge yourself. 
you've got to look at um, how you nourish yourself mentally. Um, I think they're sort of the key pillars for me. At Neom, we go a little a step deeper and we talk about sleep, stress, energy and mood. Um, and I think that's been a really helpful part of us being able to really define ourselves as a well-being brand is as being able to say what and what we mean by that. You know, if you can get your sleep into a great place, if you can look at your stress levels and 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 manage those, if you can make sure that they're on track so your energy is working optimum levels and therefore the output is that your mood is stable as much as it can be let's be realistic um that for me is good well-being so i think it's about starting with those big pillars um susie reading resource is really great um we do a scent discovery in our store in leeds well in all our stores actually where you can come and do a scent test and then it will tell you what your underlying well-being need is that's always really cool and I make sure that everyone that works for us in the stores doesn't just give Neom advice, but also gives wider well-being advice. So if you come and you say, and this is very common, some look, oh, I, I just need to help with sleep. And we go oh, do the scent discovery test. We find out that actually their underlying well-being need is, for example, stress. Then we figure out a stress program for them. And I make sure that, that, you know, we've also got books that we can advise them, supplements that we can advise them, other lifestyle sort of elements that we can give them. So, yeah, I'd say they are, they're good starting points. Yeah, amazing. I I really love that. And I, I think what you've kind of explained there is like it's about taking a holistic view as well. It isn't just, you know, one thing on one day. It totally depends. It's seasonal, life changes, and we all need different things at different times. And I just think that's really uh, amazing to take like a wider view uh, within Neom. And I get that. It, it comes back to the brand, doesn't it? It's not just a candle and essential oils business it's so it's so much more than that my passion now is absolutely the products but it's how um it's the magazine that we started i'm writing a book at the moment we've got the podcast it's talking to people like you guys the stores being much more kind of well-being hubs where we have events and partnerships i suppose that's kind of a lot of my role now um and that's my passion and i think we just believe that small steps where well-being is concerned can absolutely ladder up to the big difference. It doesn't have to be this huge revolution of your life. And so I suppose flying the flag for that, for me, has become something really important. There's a whole myriad of women and men and children that come to us, some who know, you know, are, are very educated about gut health, for argument's sake. Those who, who are, as you just said, where do I even start? And um, we're not the be all and end all, but nobody is, you know, it, it's a big topic and it should be. I like directing people to other resources and other places to, you can never have a land grab, grab for wellbeing. It's a, it's a big topic and it should encompass all of these different elements. Um, and that's when it becomes something that you want to partake in and you feel good about and you want to join the club and then the mission starts sort of moving, you know? Yeah, totally. And I mean, well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This has been thank you. fabulous. And oh, I thank have you for having me. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure that everyone listening will know 
very well where they can find Neom, but maybe our listeners won't necessarily know about your podcast. So for anyone that's listened to this and wants to jump onto yours, we'll put a link in the show notes to your podcast on Apple and Spotify. Thank you very much. Thank you. And so lovely to talk to you. And I have to say, honestly, it's my absolute joy speaking to younger women with a passion and you know that really are on that kind of journey of finding and being their best selves so really really well done to both of you and um, thanks for having me